My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So I have some things here. This is not the children's sermon, but I have some stuff here that we're going to be talking about during the sermon. One more thing in my pocket. Now, many people today are having a birthday cake, and they say, happy birthday to the church because it's Pentecost Sunday. Some children's sermons are either going to bring the kid up, kids up, and we're all going to sing happy birthday to the church. That annoys me. Because if you have a birthday, how many of them do you have a year? One. And we talk about the purpose of the church, the birthday, once a year. Well, no. The purpose of the church needs to be celebrated Every Sunday, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's why I always enjoyed in the book Alice in Wonderland that uh, the Mad Hatter celebrated unbirthdays. Because you can have 364 of them. So if there's something going to take home with today and you only get one thing, take that with you. That we need to have 364 unbirthdays of the church to celebrate every year. Now, for those of you that are listening, on the altar behind me, I have a box kite, a vuvuzula, love my vuvuzula, and a balloon. And we all know that I think in children's sermons. So, Vicki will tell you, and you may check with her later, that flying kites is my hobby. I have no less than five kites in my car. I got a new one for my birthday. Sometimes the best birthday gifts are the ones you buy yourself. It's a combination Delta box kite, and it's got two 45-foot tails. I can't wait to go down on the shore, and but I have my box kite here. Now, it's a pretty kite, but it's not doing a whole lot. Now, why isn't it doing a whole lot? There's no wind. Okay, so what if I were to start blowing? I mean, I'm a good opera singer. I got a lot of hot air. That kite's not going anywhere. It has a purpose. We know what it's designed to do. It looks good, but there's no wind. Now, why do I say that? Because the word for spirit is pneuma, or if... You're speaking real Greek. You would say the P in front to be pneuma. You need a wind. The kite doesn't work without a wind. So here's my Vuvuzula. These are, were made famous when the World Cup was in South Africa. The South Africans have these, and they bring them to the matches. And they wave them around like this. Oh, that doesn't work. Oh, they clap them on their hands like, ouch, that hurts. Doesn't do that either. What do you have to do? You got to blow on it. So here's my Vuvuz. I love my Vuvuzula. <gasps> Vicky is nodding. <gasps> last year, I, I told Wiki this, last year one of the little girls on our lake had a birthday during the pandemic. And her family wanted to do something special, but it was a pandemic. So they sent an email to all the people on the lake 
to go down to your dock, and they canoed little Lila around the lake, and I was there with my Vuvuzula celebrating Lila's birthday. Well, Lila thought it was cool, Lila's dad thought it was cool, and Vicky made me stop after they canoed away. <laughs> but a Vuvuzula won't do any good unless you You've got to put the air into it, which brings us to my last one, which is this. <laughs> we all know that I do balloon animals. Uh, probably not today because of my injury, but this balloon is worthless unless you put air into it. You're, you're getting the message here, right? We all know the purpose of the church. We all know what Jesus called us to do. He, before he ascended, he said, make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know what we're supposed to do. But we have trouble doing it unless we have the Spirit in us. Now, I want to make this point really clear. Without any air, the balloon was dead and lifeless. Guess what it is now? Dead and lifeless. This balloon is just going to sit there unless what? Unless I let it go. And it's really cool because what did Jesus say about the Spirit? He said the wind blows where it will. You have no idea where it's going to go. But we know that it's going to go somewhere. Well, in the 1800s, there was no business that matched the financial power and dominance of the railroads. We all learned in high school when they did the Golden Spike and connected the East with the West, the railroads ran all over the entire country, and they were the key mode of transportation for everybody. In the 1900s, a guy named Henry Ford started building automobiles. And I want you to hear this. If the railroad had remembered that their key job was transportation and not railroads, they would have been able to keep up and we might be riding in trains just as easily as we ride in cars. They lost the vision of their purpose. If you're going to buy somebody a watch, an expensive watch, where do you want that watch to come from? It's not that hard, folks. Rolex. Okay, and where do they make Rolexes? Switzerland. In Switzerland. The Swiss are known for making exacting watches with gears and springs. Did you know that the Swiss now have less than 20% of the watch market. And you may say to yourself, why is that? And it's not because they're so expensive. It's because, and I don't know if you know this, a Swiss watchmaker came up with the quartz movement. And you don't need to make the exacting springs and the gears. And it's sometimes more accurate than a Swiss watch. And if the Swiss Swiss watchmakers had remembered that their purpose was helping people tell time and not making watches. 
Seiko wouldn't have the majority of the watchmaking business. One more. I love Sports Illustrated magazine. I loved it when I was a kid. I loved to look up. You could cut out pictures of your favorite players, hang them on your wall. Love Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated reported on <gasps> sports. They were the place that we all went to get our sports information. And yet, it's not called Sports Illustrated Network. It's called ESPN. If Sports Illustrated had remembered that their main purpose was to report on the sports and not publishing, it would be called Sports Illustrated Network and not ESPN. Well, what does that mean for us? What that means is we need to think about the day of Pentecost as the beginning of the harvest and not the birthday of the church. I'm going to give you a little bit of history here. <laughs> Who would ever thought turning pages would be difficult? One more page. So, we were here for Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is actually concurrent with the end of Passover. And the day after Passover is a feast called the First Fruits. And uh, I had the opportunity to be in Lancaster yesterday, and they were celebrating the first fruits, the first thing that you harvest in Lancaster. Vicki is forbidden to answer. Anybody know what they harvest first in Lancaster? They had it all over this. It was called the Blank Festival. Rhubarb. The rhubarb. There was rhubarb everywhere. If you've not seen rhubarb, it looks like red celery. My grandfather loved rhubarb pie. He looked for right? So the day, I want you to hear this, the day after Passover, the day after the Jewish people talked about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and the day that we believe that the Lamb of God rose from the dead to take away the sin of the world, the day after that is the first fruit harvest. Who was the first fruit harvest? It's the people we talked about for the last eight weeks. The disciples, Thomas, the two people on the road to Emmaus, Mary Magdalene in the garden. They were the first fruits. They were the core people that were harvested. There's good news. Then we celebrate that Jesus went to heaven. And what did he say? You are all now harvesters. In fact, early on in his ministry, he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Because the laborers are few. Fifty days after the first fruit harvest, they have the Feast of Weeks. Now, it's called the Feast of Weeks, but you got to think about this. Fifty days is seven weeks. So it was seven weeks. It was a Feast of Weeks because there's seven days in a week. you got to do your math. Seven times seven is 49. They called it the Feast of Weeks. And it was when they really began to celebrate the harvest. And this is the day that God chooses to send the Holy Spirit. And what does Peter do? Peter goes out and he preaches his first sermon. I wish I were this successful on my first sermon. He preached one sermon and he had 3,000 converts. And most pastors preach 3,000 sermons in the hope to get 
One convert. I stole that from Harold, Harold, Harold Olds. My lips are not working today. Now, now, what does this mean? That means that the main purpose of the church, I want, to hear, hear, I want you to hear this, is not programs. There was no VBS. There was no youth group. There was no adult Bible study or kids Bible study or praise team. All they did was preach the gospel for the entire book of Acts. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have VBS or youth group or those things. But it means if those things become more important than the preaching of the gospel, then we are going to go the way of the railroad, the Swiss watch, and Sports Illustrated. Now, we live in New Jersey. And all our license plates tell people all around the culture, country what New Jersey is famous for. And let's be honest. South Jersey is famous for it. Not North Jersey. Not those people who eat Taylor Pam. We eat pork roll down here and we grow tomatoes. Now... Other people say tomatoes, or some people say tomatoes, but if you grew up in South Jersey, they're tomatoes. My mom has tomatoes. I like tomato sandwiches. I like tomato soup. So if God were going to have the Feast of Pentecost in New Jersey, it would have taken place in August. Why you say in August? Because that's when all our tomatoes arrive. Vicky's, raise your hand if you're planting tomatoes this year. There you go. We all do. And then we, we get the harvest and we have more tomatoes than we know what to do with. I worked at a church where they actually would bring bags of their tomatoes and put it in the narthex of the church. Like, please, take the tomatoes. We have so many. Vicky and I, last year, remember, we were supposed to go to Alaska we didn't get to go. We had 11 days off, so we used my timeshare in Atlantic City. We didn't think about this. We came back. The entire garden floor was covered in cherry tomatoes. They were everywhere. Why? Because there was nobody there to harvest. I want you to hear that. Now, if, if you were a Wakeliffe Bible translator in the 1940s, they, the Wakeliffe Bible Translator's mission is to translate the Bible into every language in the world. And one of them came to my church. And I'll never forget this because it stuck with me. He was translating the Bible in the islands out beyond Hawaii, Micronesia, and all those islands out there. And they don't have bread. And they don't have naan and they don't have pita. They have nothing that resembles bread in any form. And the Wycliffe Bible translators were studying because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And he said, we thought about it and we prayed about it. And then we said, hold it. Bread was the most common thing you could eat in Jesus' day. What is the most common thing they eat on this island? And they translated, I am the papaya of life. And give us this day our daily papaya. And some of the translators in Asia translated it rice. So if we're in New Jersey, we would translate it. Give us this day our daily tomato. Right? But because they are so many, they're everywhere. We've all been there. 
And Vicky also was very successful last year with cucumbers. We had more than those than we knew what to do with, and we found lots of creative ways to eat eggplant as well, and we did make the ratatouille at the end of the year. I want you to think about this, though. Your average Christian in the church in America thinks you have to find the Holy Spirit, right? I've, I've got to find the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus in John met the disciples, and it says, and he breathed the Holy Spirit on them, and... In, in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And we know as believers that the Holy Spirit, well, let me do it like this. The story is told of a shark and a whale. And both were swimming in the sea, and the shark swam up to the whale to engage in conversation, as sharks and whales do. As they swam along, the shark said to the whale, you are so much older than I am and wiser, could you tell me? Where the ocean is? And the whale responded, the ocean is what you're in right now. The shark couldn't believe it. Come on, he said. Tell me where the ocean is so that I may find it. And the whale repeated, the ocean is here. You are in it. Unbelieving, the shark swam away to search for the ocean. The moral of the story, I believe, is this. Stop spending your time looking for the Spirit. The Spirit is already here. Now we're back to the box kite, the vuvuzula, and the balloon. The Spirit is here, but there's one difference. I'm in charge of the box kite. I hook the string, and I send it up. I'm in charge of the vuvuzula. I put it to my mouth, and I blow the wind through it. I'm in charge of the balloon. You're in charge of you. You have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit's wind blow through you. We have to watch, we have to wait, and we have to work for the Spirit. But we have to trust that the Spirit is here and ready to work with us. Three final points, and these are they. We are in a season of harvest. The need for the gospel is everywhere. People are hungry to know the love of God, the forgiveness of God, and to celebrate the purpose of God. The second point is this. We have the Holy Spirit if we will let the Holy Spirit work through us. We have to be willing to be open. We have to be willing to listen and we have to give up some of our self-will, our stubbornness, and let the Holy Spirit work through us. Now, if there's one thing you know about Baptists and Methodists, but today we're talking to the Baptists, is that we are called evangelicals. We are called people who preach the good news. Now, if the people in the upper room had stayed in the upper room, they could have had the world's most amazing praise service. They would have spoken in tongues. They might have done some miracles. They could have raised the roof in worship and praise. And nobody would have heard the gospel. 
Church, we have got to take that Spirit's power and message out that door. If you're listening, I'm pointing at the back door. You've got to go outside. The gospel has got to leave this place. You've got to tell somebody. You've got to bring somebody. And you need to live by this fact. Everybody needs Jesus. Amen.